This is a Podfire production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. The world is full of amazing people and once a week I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum and this is Awesome Humans. Morning old, it's Brett McCallum. I'm your host of Awesome Humans, the podcast that brings together some of the most amazing people on this awesome planet of ours to tell us their stories. We have a few laughs, sometimes some tears, but most of all it's all about them who they really are. Welcome to Awesome Humans. For the past 21 years, I've grown a sensational moustache for Movember. It's always been about men's health and raising funds for good causes. This year, the lip will once again get its annual workout, lifting a bristling moustache, upsetting my wife, but raising some really important funds for men's health. It's all about saving lives. I used to host a podcast called The Third Beer, which will come back very soon. And it was a podcast where we'd crack a beer and talk about shit other blokes don't normally talk about. Well, today, I've found the unicorn of that. I found a man that is not afraid to speak about anything, especially in this space. Today's guest is an entertainer extraordinaire. Truly funny and a laugh for the whole family. He's a natural entertainer, whether he's singing, presenting, hosting, rapping an audience in comedy, entertaining as a mascot, or sharing his overwhelming joy and sincerity. You won't be able to get enough of this talent. Previously, the mascot of the Brisbane Broncos, this man has gone through a lot of stuff, including depression been to the deepest, darkest places and come back and is now helping others in this space. But as you know, I do a lot of research when I do these and the two main things I found was that he was on Australia's Got Talent in 2012, sang Mustang Sally, uh, dressed as a Brisbane Bronco and he got three yeses off the judges. That's very exciting. And I actually met him uh, about a month ago now at the open mic night down at the yard here on the Gold Coast where he opened the show with a poem. And not only touched the hearts and souls of everyone in the place, it was hugworthy. I went up and gave him a hug at the end. It was a poem about mates. And if we're lucky, we might even get him to share it with us later on. This amazing person, Justin Gansh. How are you, mate? Yeah, Did I say the name right? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. You how, good, say, how do you say it? Strange Gange, mate, is how Gange. I yeah, yeah. Gange. 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 Yeah, okay, right, Justin. I'll, t- I'll take Gange. That sounds exotic. Right. How are you, brother? <laughs> yeah, good, mate. Good. Mate, what, what an introduction. I can't wait you to like hear that? myself. You know? No, it's, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> but no, mate, seriously, you, uh, you, you touched me from that poem that you did in the, in the ukulele song that no one ever has, like in that space. And... I think every single person will go, oh, shit, this bloke's going to do a poem. Yeah. Like, oh, no, it's an open mic night. And they're starting with a poem. That's it. And then literally every single person in that place uh, just was like in, in awe. Oh. And it wasn't just about the poem. It wasn't just about the way you said it. It was the words that were in it, mate. And uh, as I mentioned, it's uh, it's someone that, that's not afraid to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that's the whole purpose you're sitting here for today. Oh, look, 100%. I mean, at the end of the day, well, I think what our country loves is authenticity, and that's the older you get, the the, the less worried about what you, what you are and what people think about you. So um, I, I suppose is what you see is what you get today, mate. That's all we're after, mate. <laughs> okay, so where I always start, what's your first ever memory? How far back can you go, oh, you reckon? Crackers. Um, it's, it's funny with memories um, because... I remember stuff that my mum told me. Okay. You know, so whether I actually remembered it or, or not. Or whether it was told you, yeah. Uh, still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I think um, my, my my youngest recollection was, was kissing um, Sonia Rona as a five-year-old wow. on the swings in South Auckland, New Zealand, and I could smell the cut grass and... Um, <laughs> That's a real good memory. Good on you, Sonia. Mum wasn't there for that one, so I, I knew, that, okay, that must be my memory then. Yeah. 
And where's Sonia these days? No idea, mate. <laughs> Probably <laughs> successful. If she remembers that as well. <laughs> Probably not. Where were you born? Uh, born at an early age, a uh, little bit, little country town called Auckland, New Zealand. Did you say at an early age? Yeah, yeah, I like did, that. yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not in Auckland, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yep. Yeah, yeah. So grew up a Jaffa, which is just another um, friggin' Aucklander. Are you can swear here? Okay, oh, there we go. No, no issue in the world. No issue in the world. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what. Before we go any further, what's the best ever, Justin? story. Oh. What's the one? We you know when you're mates and you sit around and you're having a beer or you're having a yep. chat. What's the best? What's the best story? Oh, yeah. You know what? Never been asked that. Um, I, I, I'm here for. I, I don't know. I, I think um, for for me, uh, just I'm still here. I'm still here, mate. I've got. <laughs> it's not a bad story. Yeah, you're not a bad story. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and uh, this is the thing: the older I get, the more I say, you know, I could sit in the deficit and tell you all the sob stories and stuff. The reality is, I'm still here, yeah. and to me, that's the the best story I got. Love that, love that. So, where'd you go to school? Um, went went started in uh, Pamua in Auckland, uh, mm-hmm. Pamua Primary. Went to a um, Otahu College. And Do then you remember the primary schools and stuff oh, back yeah, then? Yeah, or yeah, absolutely. Good was, memories. Yeah, great memories. Um, what was, were you at school? Were you a good kid, bad kid? Yeah, you know, like a, a jock, a nerd. <laughs> no, no, I was the I was the odd one. So you were the odd one. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember my um, prep teacher. She was always like, oh, she should just laugh when me mum and dad came to teacher interviews. Said, oh, that kid, <laughs> just just I would do I would do. I had no shame, no yep. fear. Yep. Just, just. Um, so I'm not talking a naughty kid, but just, no, just um, you know, just one of those, that. one of those scallywags, you know. Got a gift. Mate. Yeah, yeah. You like to call it a gift. <laughs> my my young bloke's got the gift as yeah, well. Yeah, He's, awesome. Uh, yeah, you go to the school and they just sit there and they just laugh and you go, yeah. oh shit, what's he done? <laughs> Seriously, you're one of those kids. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so going through school, were you? Uh, did you know what you wanted to do? Like, did you have like, a, I'm going to be a policeman. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I look. I think at an early age, I just want to be an entertainer. Really, started yeah. early. Yeah, for, for, like in my day. So that's how old I am, Elvis. Wow. Um, so as, as a five-year-old, um, so he passed away when I was five. But um, I remember dancing on the kitchen room. Uh, nineteen seventy-four. Yeah, uh, nineteen seventy-seven. Yes, seventy-seven. Yeah, well, yeah. seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's my bad. <laughs> it's, it's. I was it's, only four. Oh, there we go. So you're quite young. I thought so. <laughs> I so look it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all I wanted to do. I actually wanted from a very early age. I wanted to. I wanted to hit the um, Las Vegas. You know, I just wanted to sing on the strip. That's that's all I wanted to do. And so, did you have lessons, or was yeah? Did you grow up? Were you, were you in a poor family or a rich family, or just a everyday? Mum and dad worked hard and just yeah. got on with life. Yeah, dad. Dad was working class. He was a fitter turner, so yeah. um, he worked. Worked really hard, and um, so he had a farming background in, um, in in New Zealand. So for a couple of years there, he, he took us out farming. So he was a share milker for a while, and mm-hmm. um, so really, really hard workers, good people. You know, I no complaints with me with my parents or anything like that. They were absolutely phenomenal. Taught you all the right things, and yeah, yeah. How to be a good human being? Yeah, look, and, and you know, they they weren't perfect by any stretch. You know, um, but they they gave it a fair crack, and I, I remember later on in life when when I was playing up a bit with um, you know, with my mental health, with 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 drinking and stuff like that. They went to groups like Tough Love and all that sort of stuff back in the seventies um, and eighties and um or a bit would have been the eighties, but uh and I, I loved it. Mum and Dad says, Oh son, um, you know, we couldn't do what they told you you know, the Tough Love was saying if you come home drunk you're gonna lock the doors and all this sort of stuff and um they said, Oh, we couldn't do that. You know, we love you too much. <laughs> so, so, um, so they're good people, really, really good people. And um, 
you know, and, and I guess growing up, I made a lot of interesting choices along the way. But, um, but tell me about them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So as a as a as a youngster or a sort of yeah. teen years, where when did you start making those decisions? Yeah. Look, I I, I think. Um, uh, yeah, big big need to be liked and and mm-hmm. and and, um, and and I loved I loved the adulation of the crowd, you know, yeah. um, the roar of the grease paint, the smell of the crowd, you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I love that sort of stuff, and so from a very early age, probably um, thirteen, fourteen, I started singing in pubs and clubs and stuff like that, doing musicals at, from the age of fifteen. Um, so a lot of that sort of stuff saw me get into. You know um, the lifestyle that goes along. Well, you're with in an that, environment you know. where yeah. that's the lifestyle, isn't it? You know, you're a 14, 15 year old drinking bourbon at the bar while you're, you know, waiting for your next set. You know, it's like um, so that was, you know, back in the day where they didn't really card you or anything like that. Though you were just working there. You know, just one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned tough love and you mentioned those sort of things. Yep, yep. Compared to then, compared to now, it's changed a lot. Oh, 100%. Like, people actually, like, back then it was like, he's a dickhead, he's got, he's got pissed, just lock him out of the house. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. That's not good for your mental health, for nah, starters. Nah. But the thing is that they didn't know any different. No, nah, look, and that that's, you know, you know, you wind the clock forward, what, 40 years, and, and yeah, we've changed a lot, but um, a lot of lessons have been learned along there. But that that's what they thought. That was the, you know, the best way to look after me. I had many suicide attempts as a, as a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old, and... Um, and, and they, they had nowhere for you, no things, no such thing as headspace, no such thing as, yeah. you know, adolescent mental health. They just chucked you in with the geriatrics because that was the only available bed, you know. And um, so lots of those um, choices along the way. And a, lo- a lot of that sort of stuff um, was from, you know, adolescence, or from relationship breakdown, all those sort of things. Um, but but I, was, I was treated for manic depression back in the day. I wasn't diagnosed or anything mm-hmm. like that. But it was um, a case of um, we don't know what to do with you. We're not going to diagnose you at the age of you know sixteen, seventeen, but we'll give you the same drugs as we as would, would yeah. with, that, with that person. We'll give you the same therapies and stuff like that. So I think you know back in the eighties there was a real you know a lot of lessons to be learnt and um, uh, yeah. So that 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 was. Um, my growing up, but I mean that that all sounds deficit. But the reality was, you know, I was doing shows with uh, people like Rob Guest. Um, I was, I, you know, I was winning country and western awards. I was in the Entertainer of the Year a couple of years running as a, you know, as a fourteen and fifteen year old. You know, so like li- life wasn't. They grew bad. up really quick. Yeah, absolutely. is that? Is, do you think that's what it was? Like, do you think you've gone from being saying I don't know a, a prepubescent? child yeah to then okay now i've hit the puberty list years which are pretty fucked up anyway yeah, yes. to then we actually now i'm a superstar whilst i'm doing that gee yeah. I, i'm unbreakable i can i can do anything yeah look uh, yeah I, I i never saw myself as a superstar or, um because awards because and stuff got, does that go to your head at all I, w- I was just thinking about this the other day I, the first award i won I talked talk to my best mate and said, I'm really worried because I know if I've won an award, I'm going to lose some friends and I really needed people to like me. And so... Why do you think you'd lose friends? Be- because of jealousy oh, and stuff Poppy like that. Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, and... Um, I'm, and I was I was just thinking about that. I'm listening to Jazz uh, Rawlinson's um, book at the moment, so all of the, these old memories are flooding yeah, yeah. back, and um, and that was the first thing. You know, I, I win an award, and I'm not. Yeah, I won an award. It's oh crap! Someone's I'm going to lose some me. friends. Like flip. Okay, where does that come from? And um, and I, I think it's that need for connection. Eh? I think I think the need for connection is is far more dominant for me than the need for success. Is it still the same? Um, 
I, I think the older I get, uh, the old, the older I get, um, the, the re- reality is what people think about me is none of my c- concern. You know, that's, I agree. I agree. That, that, that's the older I get, I lean towards that more. But yeah, as a, as it's a young, still there though in the back oh, of your head, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. that young person just just wanting connection and. And I didn't really know my cultural background at that stage. So, okay. so there was no cultural connection um, and I was very quirky. So I didn't have a group of friends around me. And so any any friendships that I had, there was a fear of losing that. And so that disconnection um, it was always, yeah, really, really prevalent for me as a kid. Did you get bullied and stuff because you were the singer and dancer and wanted to go in like plays and things like that? Look... <laughs> Do you know what? I probably did, but I, I really didn't give a rip. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like, you know, so yeah, desperate for connection. And yet, um, for, for me, it was like, I, I had no shame. I had no fear. I, I remember as a 15-year-old, there's a girl I liked sitting in the playground and um, in the playground, you know, in the school ground. And um, she goes, oh, can you sing me a song? Everyone knew I sang. I sang everywhere, drop of the hat. And, and I said, do you, do you want it just for you or do you want a crowd? And she said, oh. To a crowd, and so started singing. Um, school of about six hundred people, and in the space of about fifteen minutes, the whole school was gathered around yeah. as as I was singing this girl that I like. And I'm thinking that's probably not the smartest move if you're trying to hook up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. keep this. <laughs> but but um, that was the the, the the you know for for me it was like come on, this is this is what I'm built for, and and so people would tease me, but it would just go off my shoulders. I even in amongst my peers I didn't really give a rip I would be different and I wanted to be different and um, yeah so it's it's quite perplexing that as much as I strived and and, and wanted connection um, there was a part of me that just didn't give a rip and I think that's the more dominant part these days I'm just going to do what I got to do. So you mentioned earlier you had a number of failed suicide attempts when you were that age. Yeah. If you were the person that wanted the connection why end it? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of it's a bit of a it's a sort of it, quandary, isn't it? Well, and, and I think those, that, you know those I mean? yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, and I'll stop saying hundred percent because that's quite. No, that's right. Do you know, I do that a lot. <laughs> and you know, when you pick yourself up and you, you idiot. What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> Go for your life. It was actually one hundred and fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I, those those early attempts were all around relationship breakdown. Okay. So so it was that whole. Oh, yeah, I need to be loved. I need to be loved. Oh, I've lost this person. The only person that could love me. And so, you know, as a, as a teenager, the frontal lobe hasn't kicked in yet. Yeah, you know? of course. And so, you know, those, those relationships that broke down and pretty much every um, attempt up until 18, I think, was all, all over relationship breakdowns. You know, I ran away a few times and stuff like that and that was over fear of disconnection, you know. Um, every attempt. How many attempts were there? Um, in my early years... Um, Six, six you before very good I was eighteen. At it, were you? No, no, well, that's a no. good thing. I think it's a great thing. I, there, there was one attempt where I, w- I should have died. It was, um, I was sixteen. It was on August sixteenth, um, Elvis, Elvis's um, anniversary of his yeah. death, and so that was a, a link for me. Um, and I still celebrate it to this day. So, not sure if celebrates the right word, but I still remember yeah. it to this day. So that's still, um, you know, you, you talk me through. Yeah, look, it's um, and that was that was a. So I just finished doing sixteen years old. Sixteen years old. I just finished doing a musical in um, uh, Matamata in in New Zealand. Still um, living at home? No. So okay. So I was um, 
Yeah, it was. It was. I was being billeted out to do a show in a in a in a, okay. in a um, little country town that I, I wasn't from, and so every night it was it was a case of performing every night. You know, after party, getting getting smashed. The next day, I love I love the GGs. So either go to the racetrack or go to the TAB, and, and so this is life as a sixteen year old. Yeah, right? you know, it's um. Pretty as, un- <laughs> as you say, the frontal lobe's still not fully formed. Yeah, yeah. hundred yeah. uh, making poor choices, and and I and I hooked up with um, uh, a nineteen-year-old through this musical, and um, and that fell over, you know, as it inevitably does. But for me, I'd I'd come to the end of a musical where you know it's energy amp amp amp, and then there's nothing. So it's a crash. There's always a crash after you know a big exciting time, and so this crash came with a relationship breakdown. And um, and I'd formed a lot of bad, um, you know, habits in terms of, the, you know, the, the, the drinking and all that sort of stuff. And um, so, yeah, so for me, I said, okay, that's it, August 16th. You know, so I even told my mate, told, yeah. my, told my mate, that's it. And they go, oh, yeah, whatever, Justin, you know. And and so, um, a man of we word. And, and um, I was on a bit of medication at that particular time. Um, hit, hitting the grog quite a bit, and um, yeah, so it was a combination of everything that I was taking and 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 the grog. While I'm watching Woodstock, so I was yeah. it was a Woodstock anniversary that same um, that same day, and um, and and that was it. And um, by all accounts, I I fitted and I went into a coma and 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 all that. But um, yeah, woke up a, a few days later, and uh, yeah, that was. Um, Do you remember waking up? No, no. So I, okay. I, I remember Mum telling me that um, the nurse, the first thing I, the first words I said to the nurse was, uh, you know, God didn't want me. Uh, no, I wasn't religious or anything. God like didn't that. want. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so it was like so you've been rejected by him as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's got to get you down. Yeah, yeah. But um, but that that yeah that was the that was the probably, um, it wasn't the turning point. It was the next attempt that was the turning point for me, um, and. So that that was the the start of the even deeper spiral. I didn't think I could get any lower, but um, yeah. So I went into a, a lot of um, psychotic episodes as a young uh, from that point on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, I'd had my friends saying, "Oh, you know, we believe we're part of the Nostradamus um, prophecy of the four beings that are going to inherit the earth," and and I took on the the being of the eagle and and all this sort of stuff, and then then I went and created this sort of eagle type religion sounds pretty whacked no, you know? <laughs> i find it really intriguing because yeah. at this stage you're a 16 17 year old boy um yep. that's what you believe and that's yeah. what's, that's reality isn't it? absolutely that's what's gonna happen yeah yeah and and um mum and dad were really happy because i was going to the library studying up on eagles and all that and they thought oh wow he's, he's not going to the pub he's yeah. going to the library yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely um but yeah that that um that took a nasty um sort of deviation is is um my mum was really crook and so so i created in my mind that you know a self-sacrifice would actually give her the the power to stay well and uh so 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 those were those delusions and and a lot of i guess what the doctors then you know started to begin treating me with that manic depression so manic depression in the old days commonly known as bipolar um, in modern day techno- terminology, so and so during that time you had another failed attempt, and is that when you realised 
Yes. That's not for me. Or So that failed attempt. Um, so I, <laughs> um, I, love, I love sport, mate. Yeah. I'm from New Zealand. It's been a tough old weekend. Been a tough week for you, blokes. It's been a, been a hard <laughs> old weekend. But you know what? It's only sport. It is only sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, but we, we take it to heart. And at that particular time, um, New Zealand were playing Australia um, in Wellington at the Basin Reserve. Hadley, paddle, yeah. Paddles, as we yeah, all know. Yeah. He, the famous... The famous um, uh, test match where he just skittled, skittled the Australians yep. like you wouldn't believe. And so my mission was to go to Wellington um, to sit through one full day of test match cricket and then go and, go and off myself in the, in the hotel that I booked as, as a um, 16-year-old. So I was still 16 at that stage. And, um, and I had... You know, I had all this background of my eagle um, religion that I'd created and um, I had a great day at the cricket and um, it, it, was, it was brilliant. Had some drugs and drank back at the hotel room and, and, and got smashed and um, shaved a big circle in me, me head. Yeah. In, my intent was to get a tattoo of an eagle on, on the middle of me head. Well, that, that um, didn't. Well, yeah, yeah, because just, just saying. Yeah, yeah. So all I had on me was a texter, mate. So oh, I right. you I drew one. I drew an eagle on the. Um, my mum's a hairdresser, so when they went to the hotel room, she was flipping <laughs> <laughs> hair everywhere. You know, it was um, it was a bit of a mess. But do um, so you believe then that if you sacrificed yourself, your mum would get better? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how the mind works? A- absolutely, and how. And you would have hundred percent believed. Yeah, I did. There, there is no question about. Absolutely, I did, and um, and, and I, I, I don't talk about method, but I, I did what I had to do, mm. and then for some reason I threw everything up, and and I realised I just I go I failed, and so from that point I, I gave mum and dad a call and said, oh look, I'm, this is where I am. I'm I'm in a bad place, and <laughs> they got the um, one of the maitre d's come up to the room, and and they they took me off to hospital. And and I remember this clear as day, um, the you know getting into the hospital after a, a, an attempt on my life, and they they grabbed me. I had people holding holding you know orderlies, and and they're chucking this tube down my throat. So you know chucking the charcoal yeah. down the throat, and and I look back and I think the fight in human spirit to survive because I'm fighting off yeah. all these um, orderlies who are actually trying to help me to yeah. live. And here, Bizarre, isn't it? It's just, and I'm thinking, oh, this pipe down my throat, I'm not going to be able to breathe. Um, well, just two hours earlier, <laughs> you didn't want to breathe. And so it's funny how powerful the human mind is that, you know, with everything, you know, as as tough as we do it from time to time, there's still that ounce of human um, instinct or gut or whatever you call it that says, I've got to survive. I need to survive. Isn't that funny? Then, then you do. And you do. And, um, and, that, and that's why doing what I do today in terms of suicide prevention, I know that, hey, if I can get, if I can support or keep someone safe while they go through that pointy bit, you know, get through that tough, tough stuff because I know that there, there will be a better day. And the thing is, you've been through it. Yeah. So it's not like someone going to become a life coach at yeah. uni yeah. and have come out, I'm a life coach now. Come you on. haven't even fucking lived. How have you been a life yeah. coach for starters? Whereas you've actually gone through that process. You've been through the pointy end. Yeah. Now you're out the other side. You sit there and go, oh, actually, I know what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. So you'd get a lot more respect from people during that time, I would expect. 
Yeah. Not that during those times people respect others. No, look, I, you I know think, what I mean. Though I, I think you know, empathy is born from experience. I 100%. mean, you can't can't have empathy without having your own experiences, and and so while my experience is different to just about every other person on the planet, um, that empathy is that, that that's you know. I, I get it. I don't, you know, everyone's got their own thing. So I never assume that I understand because no one could ever understand. I no, could never understand not. what you're going through as, as, ne- as much as the next person. But I can empathise, man. I've, I've, I know how tough it can be. I know how tough it was for me. I can only imagine how tough it must be for you right now. And um, and when, when someone's okay to be that transparent and authentic with you, then, then actually, you know, okay, I'm willing to have a yarn with you. Mate, it's really interesting. I've been through some pretty pretty dark places. Yeah. And uh, I remember I was standing on the 11th floor of this building and I was in that bad a headspace. So I thought, okay, if I jumped off here, I'd probably bounce back. <laughs> yes. Or we lived on the water and I thought, actually, if I jump in the water, I won't drown. I'll end up, no shark will eat me because yeah. I'm not good enough to be eaten. So I'll just float out to sea and then some fucking trawler will pick me up and then they'll bring me back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how bad the headspace was. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> and I got help. Yeah. And once I got help, man, I'm, I love life. Life yeah. is the best thing, and it's really interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm a 50 year old man. Like, yeah. This is probably maybe seven years ago now that, that I got help, and I only got help because my wife told me I had to. Otherwise, she wasn't going to be there. Yeah. And to me, that was like, fuck. Yeah. I better do something then. But the really interesting thing is, I've got four kids. I've got um, all this stuff in life that is amazing. But you still go through these times. And people you deal with on a daily basis are like that. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's got a different story. Yep. The fact that you've hit the pointy end at 17, people don't see that for years and years and years. And then yeah. you actually then think, oh, fuck, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do something about this now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So how does an entertainer become a plumber? Yeah, look, I... I um Is that around that time you sort of thought, I better do something else or... Yeah, so so that at that Wellington um, moment, um, the doctor said we're not releasing you. My mum and dad came down. They they wrestled with the doctors and they said no, no. We he needs to be um, I- admitted without my consent. So what do they call that? Con- you know. Um, yeah, I know. You mean. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. they said we won't release him. Committed. Yeah, committed. So um, so for the first time, um, they they committed me to a, a psychiatric facility. Um, in um, Taranaki, oh, not Taranaki. Sorry, you were That's my Taranaki shirt. shirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Giddy up, Taranaki. Go the bulls. So it was a place called Tokenui. So okay. it was um, near where uh, the split ends grew up. Oh um, wow! Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, Tower Mudu. There we go. Um, so I, I was there as my, I attended on my seventeenth birthday. So the first day I was in a psychiatric institution. So it wasn't, you know, as I said, wasn't headspace, wasn't anything like that. It was a pretty ordinary, ordinary place. So medicating you there? Yeah. So it was, it was a case of um, group therapy. My my grandmother had schizophrenia, and so it was a really high level institution. It wasn't mm-hmm. a really nice one. It was one of those ones that actually got closed down. I think they've got a prison there now, but um, so it was. It was, it was very similar. Back yeah, then. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, back when shock therapy wasn't what shock therapy is today. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty ordinary. Um, but so, yeah, I, I spent three months in that institution and um, a cousin of mine who was who was touring with a, a Christian rock group, um, the Newsboys, sent me a letter. Um, said, hey, mate, um, you know, just thinking of you and all that. And 
no one had ever reached out, you know, someone who's desperate for connection. Yeah. Lost, lost all my friends through that moment. And, mm. um, um, but yeah, I, I, I got to the end of my three months and, um, uh, and yeah, uh, I went out and then he's, he sent me another letter and he says, Hey, we've got a band in Brisbane. Would you be keen to come over and, you know, have a bit of a sing with us? And, um, yeah, so I said, you know what, hasn't worked out so well for me here in, um, in, in New Zealand. And, and so, yeah, w- landed up here and, um, the band he was in was actually supporting um, Tina Arena and Peter Andre up oh, and down wow. the Sunshine Coast and the Gold Coast. Yeah, so yeah. back in the early nineties when um, Peter Andre had abs and um, yeah. Tina Arena was dating Derek Rucker. There you go. So <laughs> that was that was and so I've come over there and, and look at you know I, I I didn't go straight into the band. It took me a while before I got me um, me things, but I certainly went to a lot of their shows, which was it was pretty cool. I didn't realise you know just how big these people were back then, but. It was just a bit of fun, you know, Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast. And then you've stayed here since? So, yeah, stayed here since. The, the music thing never worked out for me over here. And um, so my uncle was a builder and um, all my mates' parents were bricklayers, concreters and all that sort of stuff. So Better get a trade. Get, <laughs> get some coin in the pocket and um, and guarantee it, you know. And, and so, yeah, in 1990, I, I, I um, pretty much was first doing the tradie stuff and... Um, uh, I loved it so much that um, ended up getting an apprenticeship uh, 1994. So, yeah, it was awesome. So, you then get your ticket. You become a, uh, a qualified plumber. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be a sparky, but my dad okay. said to get a trade first. Yeah, okay. So, um, <laughs> that's hilarious. harsh, isn't it? Just lost about hey, th- three of the audience. All my audience <laughs> the, all three of them are yeah. gone. <laughs> They're all electricians as well. But, yeah, so you got your trade now, yeah. and are you still single at this time? You're starting to talk to the ladies again? No, so, um, so yeah, met, met a lady doing musicals um, uh, and, and stuff like that, um, just uh, like church musicals and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Met my wife at, um, well, you met her the other I night. I did, yeah, the yeah, lovely yeah, lady. Yep, yeah, yeah. so met her. Um, she was a dancer. Okay. And uh, we're doing musicals, and I'd be singing, and she'd be dancing, and she'd always meet me, and then, you know, one thing after another, and... Yeah, 1994, we got married as well, so it was a big so, year. Do you remember that? Did you get down on one knee and all that sort of stuff, or well, how, how'd that go? Mate, I stuffed that up as well, mate. Did you? <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to go. Did you have it all planned in your I head? I did. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. Um, you know, two less lonely people in the world. That air supply <laughs> classic. That was our song, and I said I'm going to take it down to um, uh, Bayside. You know, um, nice. Raby Bay, but I got lost, and <laughs> the Refidex, I, I couldn't work the Refidex out, and. Um, um, and so I ended up at the mud flaps somewhere, and um, yeah, and I asked her there on the mud flaps in Redland Bay. Yeah, and yeah. she said yes, obviously. She said yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Twenty nine years later, she's still sh- scratching her head. But anyway. oh mate, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the same, and I yep. just tell my wife how lucky she is every day. I know. She rolls her eyes, yeah, and yeah. moves on with the day. That's so it just seems to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we got one of those signs up, and our our marriage, yeah, yeah, one person's always right, and the other one's a husband. Yeah, and, um, I like that too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you're now happily married, and yep. we're in 1994, and yep. then are we still thinking, like, actually, I'm a bit funny, or I could still sing, or I could... Uh, have you still got the, the itch? Oh, look, yeah, yeah, look, I, lo- I loved... Um, I was still singing off and on, and so I'd, I'd do, you know, lots of little cameos here and there, Christmas mm-hmm. musicals, things like that, um, and I think at that stage, I'd, I'd just started mascot for the Broncos, so... Um, How'd that happen? Yeah, nepotism, you know, it wasn't yeah. no talent there, mate. Um, <laughs> but my mate, um, 
all they're all concreters. Yeah. And um and one of their wives said, Oh, look, you know, I work for A and Z. Um, they've got two mascots, um, Victor Visa and Access Annie. Um, the Brisbane Broncos just started up, so 1988, and um, they said, does anyone want to do the mascotting? These two guys were mad as cut snakes, absolutely brilliant guys, hard workers, you yeah. know, just uh, salty blooming um, concreters. And so they, they did it, and the, the first year at the Broncos, um, Rebo's niece was yep. the uh, Bris- uh, Buck the Bronco then, so she did that for the first year. And then she she didn't like it. It's a, it's not a not a you know nice job. You know you get swe- sweaty and smelly yeah. and, and all that. But if you're a tradie, that's how that's Doesn't our matter, currency, yeah. mate. You know. Um, so yeah. So the next year they said, oh well, you know you're doing those two. Do you want to do that one as well? And then they jumped in. And then they said, oh now we've got the hardware house dogs. Now we've got you know the Kino balls. There was so many mascots back in the early days. There was about ten of us. Um, and so they said, you know, do you know anyone? So they're just calling in their old mates, all yeah. these old tradies, you know, that, that, that have been in the game. And um, I started off as the um, the post box. Okay. And then I was the fast post box, you know, there's a, there's a hierarchy yeah. of mascots. And um, I was a cowboy hat for a little bit, then the employable. But fin- finally I got my gig as, um, as uh, Buck the Bronco at the 2000 grand final. Oh, uh, that really? was the first time I suited up, mate. And, um, Good night. Oh, cracking night. <laughs> back in the old days, it was a day game. Yeah. So everyone was catching the red eye to get back to Red Hill uh, for the celebrations truly to begin. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, it was a, it was an epic time of, um, of life. So that's when I started the mascot. There you go. Yeah. And then, so you're still thinking at this stage I can make this as a singer, or are you just thinking that? This is going to be a, a hobby. Yeah, I, I think from that stage it was it was always a hobby. Um, mm. I my my cousins play and they still play around the Gold Coast and in Brisbane, pre- plenty of different gigs and stuff like that. Well, Andrea's she does, she's, yeah. She's she's one of them, you know. She, but her her brother and um, his wife and all that. So they're they're all musos. I, I I sort of look at myself and I think uh, I'm not a muso. You know, I I can I can hold a crowd. Yep. And I can I, I enjoy that and I love that. That's the connection thing. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, but I I knew that there's there's so many better singers and, and musicians and all that sort of stuff. And so I did it because I enjoyed it. Yeah. So not because I wanted to chase any sort of star. Um, and even the Australia's Got Talent thing, I knew the angle that I had as a mascot would would help would help. And, and plus, and get you me could on sing. That. Yeah. What a great song. Yeah. I look, you know. Um, How I, far did you get through with that? Yeah, got through the semis. So oh, you did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so that was cool. And then, then I got into a penguin suit, you know, the tux and did me um, Impossible Dream song and all that yeah, sort yeah. of stuff. And, yeah, not really what they're looking for. But, um, but yeah. Should have stayed as a mascot. Should have stayed as a mascot. And they, <laughs> they, they, you know, they, they had the big argument, oh, you should have come on just with your vocals and all that. You didn't need a gimmick. Yeah, I did. Yeah, <laughs> to, get, to get through it. So yep. it gives them that. Because oh. yeah, they yeah. must listen to so many in a day. Oh. Look, all, all this stuff's about putting on a show. Yeah. It's a production, you know. And, and that's not to say that people who win it don't don't deserve it. They, they, they work damn hard. Yeah, of course. Um, but they work the angles as well. I, and, um, <laughs> I remember one of the boys that works here, actually, he's a great singer. And uh, he went to go on X Factor with the voice or something, and he was in the line. Yep. Someone come up and they started having a chat to him and they were saying, well, what's your story and stuff? And he goes, mate, just let you know. Like, you're a lovely bloke, all this sort of stuff. He goes, but your story's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, you can sing, but your story's not good enough. So instead of signing over your whole life to this group, yep. <laughs> then you better off go and do stuff yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it was just really interesting that, that it's, 
it's reality telly, isn't it? Hard, look, and it's a show. It, it is a show, and and I got really burnt. So I had suicide attempts into my forties. It because uh, after because of that. Well, I, I'm not going to say it was because of that. Yep. I think there's contributing factors, you know, and and I don't think it was all my mental illness or anything like that. I think lots of circumstances that that led up to that with job security and all those sort of things just co- combined for that particular stuff uh, at that particular time. But I've learnt that they, they, these are shows, and if you don't. You know, I've been on Holy Moly since and, um, you know, I think I, I made the top 200 of The Voice in 2019. So um, I, I do it now not hoping to win because <laughs> I know that nev- that'll never happen. Um, I do it as, well, as a vehicle. Um, so, you know, hey, this is now a vehicle to actually be able to talk about something that I am passionate about um, and... So I don't use it so much to become someone because yep. I'm pretty content these days with who I am. Um, I do it um, to maybe create exposure. So holy moly was during COVID and all I wanted to do was bring some smiles on dials. People were doing it tough. What's all about? And, um, and so I, w- I went there specifically with the concept that I'm going to have so much fun here and hopefully that's going to put a smile on someone's face. And that's um, – so that was my MO and that's probably more my MO these days. So – Got married in ninety four, and we're now in twenty twenty three. Yep. During that time, you mentioned you've had a few more attempts. Mm, mm. How do you how do you do that with the wife and kids and all that sort of stuff? It, it's a different world. I was, I was thinking about that, listening to um, Jazz's story. Um, as a kid, I, I didn't think I impacted anyone. I impacted yeah. my mum and dad, and my yeah, brothers, uh, but I don't think I impacted. You know, um, I was pretty self-absorbed and and so I, that that was my thinking but when when I was married um, the first attempt when I was married was over not being able to have kids so, so when was that um, so that would have been 2000 so um, the so six years into the marriage yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah and we were trying for kids we lost a bub um, oh we, we we lost a baby you know baby early on in the pregnancy um, but that rattled me, and then we, then we tried for ages and 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 no go, and and so um, we ended up going through, you know, IVF and ICSI. Ruth Sharkey, the baby maker down here on the Gold Coast, mm-hmm. uh, went through all of that sort of stuff, and then finally got the results back. And I was playing with a whole Ford pack of blooming swimmers, you know, yeah. <laughs> just you know, good at lifting heavy things, but not so <laughs> not so quick at getting to the line, you know. Do you blame and, uh, yourself for that. Obviously. So so that I'm sitting sitting in my office there in the in the city. And, and I was just staring out there, you know, like you, looking at that water. And um, and I thought, flip, you know what? If I can't give my wife what she wants and desires, then maybe I need to exit stage left so that someone else can. So that, that was my, my thinking, my, my my thoughts. That, you know, I was letting We've the team down. we got pretty fucked up brain. Yeah, yeah, there, 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it, it, all with the, the mindset of, hey, I'm going to be noble here. Yeah. And, you know. and yeah, You'll think you're doing the right thing. Absolutely. When, yeah, yeah. in effect, you're going to destroy everything yep. around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, um, yeah. So <laughs> she she gave me a couple of backhanders and, um, because, uh, yeah, I, I went home, tried to sleep and um, she, she knew something was up. Just banging pots around the house, you know, trying to wake me up. And she says, "No, we're going out. We're going." I said, "No, oh, I'm just going to sit sit in bed. I'm going to sleep," you know. And um, and then I ended up, you know, coming clean um, two days later. And she said, "Oh, well, 
you know, we're at, we're at church at that time and um, she said, well, you're, you're speaking to this guy over here and we're not leaving until you've had a yarn with him. And so, um, yeah, that, that got me back on, you know, back on track in terms of seeking someone to help me through yeah. what I was going through. And that, that was the, um, yeah, when I started going to see psychiatrists and stuff like that. And, yeah, um, so, yeah, I got some, got some skills through that. Because I didn't remember a lot when I was a, I was a yeah, kid going well, through that sort of stuff. And as as a 40-year-old... The or, frontal lobe's actually come yeah, around yeah, now. <laughs> absolutely. And so you can retain a lot yeah, of... of course. Um, and, and not everyone's the right fit for you, mate. Like, you know, um, I've had that many different counsellors and psychs over the years. Probably only two or three that I really connected with, you know. And, 100%. Um, so, yeah. So so for me, that, that was... That attempt it was like, you know... Um, uh, yeah, it, it was skewed logic. Um, I, I talk to a lot of people going, you know, what you're doing, selfish and all that sort of stuff. But it, it, at that time, I, I honestly thought I was doing the most noble thing that I could do. Yeah, you're trying to help do. you, miss. Yeah, 100%. Trying to help the fair. Yeah, yeah. And so, obviously, that's going to be tough on your marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that adds to the pressure as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And during all this time, are you still plumbing or what are you doing at this stage? Yeah, no, so I was, I was still plumbing. I was, um, so I got an apprenticeship with the railway. So mm-hmm. QR was um, from 94 and I was there for 20 years basically. So, um, so I, was, I was in there climbing the ladder, mate, climbing yeah. that wobbly corporate ladder. But um, yeah, it was, um, it was great. Lots of, lots of great people, but uh, pretty um, on again, off again, sort of toxic culture in, in yeah. that workplace, you know. And, um, uh, so, you know, it's... It's like any workplace, mate. It, um, there's there's always going to be something, and um, there's always good, bad, luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I said it to a mate. I said, you know, the best thing about the railways is our culture. The worst thing about the railways is our culture. hundred <laughs> percent. Very, very true. It very, is. Very true. It is. Yeah, yeah. So when did you realise that actually, fuck it, I'm going to help other people? Yeah. Did you have another attempt, or? Yeah, I did. I did. Um, and this time I got kids. Yeah. So I just, you know, increases. How many kids did you have? Um, so, so two that I know of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Larry. She's told me about. Yeah, it. yeah, I know <laughs> that, that joke when you talk about the IVF stuff. You know, I don't know who's got all the test tubes. But, um, <laughs> um, so I got one that looks like me, another one lo- looks like the gynecologist. But yeah. um, I'm paying for both their school fees. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, two two girls. Um, and yeah, proud as punch. Absolutely phenomenal humans. Um, but they they were little tackers when um, when 2012 came along, which is when I. You know, had the uh, Australia's Got Talent stuff, but um, there was job stuff going on. There's some really toxic stuff at work. 2013 came around. Um, you know, it, it was really, really tough. And talking about impending job loss, so that's you know, for someone who's in 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 some of those jobs like the railways or the council or stuff, there's a there's a unwritten bias that you're going to have a job for life. Yep. Um, but the reality of that was was far from it, and um, so there was lots of people, you know, losing their jobs, and uh, and the fear factor for me because I sort of painted myself into a corner with 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 where I was at in the railways, and um, yeah, so it, it was looking very likely that I was going to be losing my job, and I did. Um, so I, I was losing my job. I was feeling robbed from the Australia's Got Talent thing. I lost my nan, um, and. And I was broken. I was broken. Um, in 2012, I got diagnosed. I, I had a had a bit of a breakdown at work, and um, I got diagnosed in the Logan Psych Unit with bipolar type two. 
Um, so I had a new diagnosis of mental illness. I had medication that was still working out, loss of a job, loss of someone I cared about. It's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Um, and I've got a young family. How the heck am I going to support them without a job? And and your mentality at that stage is, hey, you know, this is a job for life and, you know, there's a right way, a wrong way and a railway. And so the perception of railway workers wasn't real flash yeah, <laughs> back then. So how am I ever going to get a job? Was 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 my thinking, and so um, yeah, so that that you know um, pretty much um, led me to my my final attempt. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm still here today. I'm telling you, failed that I'm one too. You. I failed that too. So I can love that. Thank you for failing <laughs> that. Come on, one. come on. Um, but but it was yeah, it was it was a case of miracles sort of stuff that um, you know because I. I'd planned this for months, two months, and um, said went to New Zealand, said my goodbyes to all my family, not, not that they knew it at the time, um, and I come back here and um, had me plan and place and everything like that, and ended up um, say goodbye to your kids and you missed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just they so didn't realise. No, no, no. Hugged them a little bit tighter yeah. and um, and yeah, it was um, and and yeah, I knew, knew you know the day first of August that's mm-hmm. going to be it, um, and yeah, and I. I had my plan and I woke up that morning and and the destination of where I was going changed. It's yeah. just like, that's that's really bizarre because I planned this this spot yeah. you know, for two months. Why am I waking up? And, and it was um, heading down to Kira. Um, and so, okay, no worries. One final sunset, my favourite place in the world. Oh, Kira, Kira. Oh, I, yes, love I love Kira it. Love it. Love it. 100%. Yeah. And without doubt, the tip of Kira Point is the best place in the place. Yes, yes. Isn't yeah. amazing? That's, wow, that's yeah. funny. Yeah. So, yeah. so, um, so I've 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 gone down there. Um, you know, I'm I'm an early. I'm up at four in the morning. That's my gig. You know, that's and so I'm I'm always off early. I want wanted one final sunset. Just sitting in that car park there, looking out at the beach, and um, uh, yeah, did what I had to do. Um, no one knew where I was. Didn't any, didn't let anyone know. Um, and then I sent uh, I sent a, a quick email or a, a message to my boss, my wife, and a friend of ours. I said I'm very sorry, and boom, that's it. And um, I'm yeah, I'm sorry I've let you down. And there's a whole that you talked about Movember. Mm. Um, that there's a they did an ad campaign called Suicide Notes Talk Too Late, and I actually read through part of my um, oh, wow. my 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 farewell letter sort of thing in that campaign and. Um, and that was it. And um, you know, as far as I was concerned, that I was done. And um, and I'd played my psychiatrist um, for a while to get the right medication that I needed to get. Yeah. And so you know, I had had everything lined up. Um, and yeah, my boss called my wife. Said, "Oh, we've got to get the police involved. You know, danger." And um, she said, "No, actually, I just want to check one place." And um, he goes, well, you're wasting time, you know. And she says, no, no. And she jumped in the car, got our friend, um, headed down to Kira. She knew. She knew. And I'm thinking, but that changed for me that morning. That morning, uh, that destination changed. It still spins me out to this day. And anyway, they get to the car and, uh, you know, they try to drag me out. Two ladies trying to drag me out. I mean, I'm supermodel good looks, but heavy bones, heavy bones. Heavy bones. Me too. Yeah. And so they couldn't get me out. And so next minute, you know, a car pulls in as big Polynesian sight nurse. 
uh, who's, who's, who's opened the door, picked me up like a rag doll. Yeah, he's me picked up the, two fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. I can't be sure if it was uh, Payne Haas, but anyway. Uh, big, big boy. Big, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, my wife got there. She applies CPR the only way she knows how and starts slapping me across the face. And um, they got a murmur out of me. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, so they got to me in time. Which So all these crazy sort of different events and... and and, and it still gets me, and there's still survivor guilt there too, you know, yep. that there's so many people working in the space, so many people we still lose. Why, why, why was I lucky enough to, you know, still be here? You know, why do I get a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance? Well, you look at it and go, you're really shit at suicide. <laughs> yes. How many attempts have you had? Yeah, so that, that would make it eight. That was eight. So eight. I'm yeah. glad you're batting none from eight. Mate. Yeah, come on. I can on, tell you on. that right now because yeah. you're helping so many people now. Yeah. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. And I think yeah. it's really, really important the fact that your wife saved you again. Yeah. 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 And she's still fucking with you. Hundred percent. Yes. Are these women amazing? Yeah. Like I know, like, like all marriages aren't all perfect, right? We fight. Oh, yeah. We argue. They always win. Yeah. We roll our eyes. We move on. But <laughs> no. But the thing is, they're still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mate, the amount of love that that woman must have for you. And I, right. I found it that night when we're sitting there, it's just, it's massive, isn't it? And yeah. you sit there and go, you suffer from a disease. Yeah. Bipolar yeah. is a disease, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And um, I've never heard of Mark II, so you've got the next level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, so, so, so bipolar type one, um, that's, you yeah, have your psychotic episodes, hearing voices. Yeah. Um, bipolar type two, not as many um, psychotic episodes and stuff. All that happened in my teenage years, but yep. not so much in my later years. So it, it's it's the lesser of the two, I suppose. If you So you're medicated it. for that? Um, yeah, yeah, I am medicated, but I... I, I I've been off my meds um, for a while because I've got strategies in play. Awesome. And so I, I got really at a, a pointy bit earlier this year. Um, May really went went spiralling down and, and just made the call, went back to the doctors, med check, come on, let's get back on this. And does she pull you up on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, we've got such a transparent relationship. She goes, you need to do something. She's like the uh, she's like the orca- the conductor of my orchestra. Yeah, you know she'll know to bring in the string section, that the golf <laughs> buddies, or the karaoke section yeah, yeah. over there. The or drummers, we need the fucking yeah, drummers. Yeah, yeah, bring yeah, them yeah. in. We need you to get back to the, <laughs> back to the um, back to the med. So um, yeah, but uh, she's a big part of that and a uh, big part of those strategies. So you work now for a company that looks after. I don't know, looks after the wrong word. That actually advises help helps. Let's use the word help. Yep. Yeah. Helps people that either have conditions or that are going through mental health. Mental health's a real thing. Like yep. a lot of people say, Oh, mental health, don't believe in that shit. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you it's a real thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. Most blokes can. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is they don't. Yeah. And this is I think one of the key factors here is that no one talks about it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a lot better than we were. more people do now. Yeah. But it's guys like you and it's it's um companies and and people are actually getting behind this now like as i said mate, i've been doing november for 21 years come on first yeah. year ever i um it, it happened yep and i think i raised 60 bucks yeah, you think, yeah. i'll probably raise i don't know 20 grand or something now in total i don't do it to raise big money no i do it because it's for me yeah yeah because i sit there and it annoys the hell out of my wife which i really enjoy as well but the big thing is that i do it every year and i do it because that's my thing yeah, 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 yeah. And it helps me mentally. Yeah. But at the same time, if I can raise some funds to help other people, that's awesome. Whatever. Yep. But the big thing for me is I do it for me. And I learned years ago now that if you put yourself first, yep. everything else falls into place. Yeah. 
Come your marriage, relationship, all that sort of stuff falls into place. What a lot of guys don't understand. So there was a, um, a company I invested in last year called Neuro Nirvana, and this guy's whole mission was to stop people killing themselves on mindsets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his philosophy was that everything's so negative on mindsets. You can't do this, you can't do that, you can't <laughs> do this, you can't do that. Yep. You then go home after you fly and fly out and say, you can't do that, you can't do that, beat up their missus, all that sort of shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you turn that around and actually say, actually, if you do this, you'll survive. Yep. Actually, you do this, this will be good. Like, yep. so you physically turn all that around. And I know he's still he's still singing and doing that stuff and he's doing an amazing job. The big thing with it is that he's actually having a crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was one of the things that I got when we first met is you have a crack, you do this on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. How does your brain work when all this negativity gets thrown at you? Yeah, look, and I think you're right. You know, we, 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 we're so um, conditioned to the deficit. Mm-hmm. You just have to turn the news on to see the only oh, thing that, you know, deficit, deficit, deficit. What about all those good people out mm-hmm. there, like the Nirvana do? Yeah. You know, what, what about all those people making a difference? Oh, we'll have a, you know, one little one-minute section if right at the do. end. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but we all know about Logan and Gold Coast yeah. and the, the, the deficit going on there. So I think... For me, is that mentality. I, I got to do some poems, um, my from my lived experience poems down in Parliament House, and I said, "Man, I could sit here and tell you, I can tell you the deficit till the cows come home." But the reality is, I'm living in surplus. I'm still here, you know. Living in surplus. Absolutely. We we you know, and we all love a good surplus in Canberra, don't we? But I think we love a good surplus ev- everywhere. Do you know, and when when I talk with people who are in crisis, and that's what we do for work, you know, we just turn up and and look, you know, not everyone that's in crisis has a mental illness, you no, know, of course. and not everyone with a mental illness is suicidal. You so just have a bad day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and sometimes circumstances just line up yeah. and and bite you fair in the bum. And so, understanding that, hey. We're about supporting you through through this tough stuff right now to get you back to your surplus, mm. and and we see that. And we one thing we do well in construction and mining and energy and all those sort of things is we turn up for our mate. Yeah, our mate's got a broken leg. Yeah, mate, we we'll give you a lift. Come on, I can see you struggling with that load. I'll I'll carry a box or I'll bring you a trolley or I'll open a door. We constant that that's the strength base of our industry is that we help a mate out. Mates help a mates. So our, our mission is not so much, hey, put your hand up if you're struggling, because for a lot of people that's a tough uh, thing to no, do. Without doubt. But I'll accept, from, I'll, I'll accept uh, f- some help from a mate. So it's that help offering, not help seeking. We, we don't come here and say, you know, you've got to seek help if you're doing it tough. No, we say, actually, if you notice your mate struggling, call them out on what you notice. Listen to them. Get them to help. You're not, you know, don't, don't listen to respond. Listen to understand. Because you know, a lot of the time, we, for, for myself, you know, I've tried to think of a million solutions to the problems that I've got going on up there. So for you to tell me of, of, of what that solution might be, you're disrespecting my thought process. Yeah, without doubt. And so, so we listen to understand and then we, then we say, man, I'm just a dodgy old plumber from Logan. How about I hook you up with someone that might be able to keep you safe right now? get you through that pointy bit and say so that, that um, you know, and we're going to support you through that and then we'll get you to the other side. The amount of people on this planet, mate, that have through to the other side, that, that have survived attempts that, that um, because a mate helped them out or because of this, mm. mate, the opportunity is right here, right What's now. It? Someone listening to this right now might be going, you know what, you know, 
hearing that gives me hope that maybe I can hang around. Maybe I can. Maybe I should seek seek, yeah. seek some help. So that's the power of being here, right here, right now. Because you know, uh, you can say you could be in the worst place in the world, but the reality is you're still here. There's still a, an option or a, a moment for hope. And I think that that's the key. There is that you are still here, and you are someone or something that matters. Everyone matters, whether it's yeah. good, bad. Like who cares? It, it, it matters, and. Mate, if I can do a podcast and, and one person listens to it and actually thinks something about it, it's like, done my job. Absolutely. Like, I do this because I love it. I enjoy it. This isn't for me, not for you. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy doing this because it's for my mental health. Yeah, it helps me talk to people and hear stories and tell stories and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And one of the things you said a minute ago, which is one of the reasons why this happened, was you called it a life poem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Where where'd that come from? How does, how does that work? Oh look, I, I was uh, I was doing a podcast, um, and um, I was doing it with uh, Trademark, so um, old Ed and Dan, and they'd just been from the Gimpy Muster, mm-hmm. um, come back from the Gimpy Muster, and they were all frothing over the bush poetry that they heard, and so they, you know, they 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 had their own interpretation and threw a poem out there. I thought, okay, challenge challenge, challenge accepted, accepted and, yeah. um, and I wrote a poem called Why. So the very first poem I wrote was called Why I Do What I Do, and. Um, at that stage, I was growing a big bushy beard and stuff like that for, for men's health. Yeah. Growing hair because I care, you know. And, um, and, and yeah, so that's, that's where it began. And, and then something really curious happened. It actually, I started writing all these poems and all these thoughts have been flying around for years, you know, in the old mail. I actually had to throw them to my frontal lobe to create some logic and write them down on a piece of paper and... Um, it was really cathartic for me. So just as much as this podcast is cathartic yeah, for, for you, sure. um, that's what writing poetry has been like for me. A lot of poems people won't hear, they won't see the light of day, but that that, that isn't um, what poetry is about. Poetry is about um, your journey and getting them out on a piece of paper. And But but it's it's now to the point where um, I've, I've got my message um, that I want to get out there to other people who might... Um, you know, have similar journeys where they're struggling with life and circumstance and mental illness and all those sort of things that they they can find the thing that um, resonates for them to be able to um, yeah help help them through it. So for me, poetry is cathartic in a way that it's it's helping me. You know, in my tough moment in May this year, I was so I was trying everything, music. I was trying everything, all the strategies I had in play. I just gave it up and said, oh, I've got to write this on a piece of paper. And I wrote an amazing poem. And I, and, I, and I felt the peace I felt after writing it down on that piece of paper was like, ah, that's what this is about. And that's that's the gift for me. And, and the beauty with art is that um, everyone has their own interpretation. So for me, my interpretation is, is how I put it out there. But some, someone might hear it and go, actually... I see my part of my story in that poem there as well, which is, you know, you go and look at a painting, everyone has his own story. It sees different stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's the beauty of poetry is it's cathartic for you, but it might be cathartic for someone else for some <laughs> totally different reason. But um, that's, yeah, that's the gift that I've, I've been um, given at, at, at the moment. So, you know. Just so 35 years ago, yep. you're sitting next to Justin. Mm. And you're sitting there going, do you know what, Sunshine? You're going to be a poet. <laughs> <laughs> what does Justin say? 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it amazing? Yeah. Isn't life amazing yeah. that you can actually you go through? I'm I'm a big fan of the stages of life, oh, the yeah. seven year life cycles of life. Yep. And you look at what you do now, and you look at what you've done, and you look at all that sort of stuff. And I turned fifty this year, and I made a conscious decision. I'm only going to do shit I want to do. Come on. So I've sold companies. I've got rid of shit. I've sacked people. I've done this stuff. I'm nearly there now, just doing the shit I want to do. Awesome. And the key to me is that everyone goes, but what about, I don't care what about. Yeah. Uh, this is for me. This is my time now. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And I tell you what, everyone around me and everyone who surrounds me will also benefit from that because yeah. I actually enjoy what I do. To me, that's poetry for me. Yeah, absolutely. To me, that's what um, the passion and the love. And what I'm going to ask you, I've got about four questions I'm going to ask you at yep. the end, but what I want to do is can you give us a pulse? Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to give you. I'm going to let you choose. So so I got. You're going to get two. Four minute one or a two minute one. So you go the two minute one and then do four minute one at the end. Okay, done. Okay. Yep. Yep. So What's this it called? this is why. So why the first, the first one? First poem I ever wrote. Love it. So, some people often ask me. Some people even stare, and ask me, "What's the deal, my bro? Why is it that you care?" Well, I tell them plain and simple because it's all I got to give. I'm doing this for my mate who's struggling with life to live. I'm doing this for the champion whose relationship's gone bust. I'm doing this for the legend whose bread's run out of crust. You see, we all from time to time fall down when life gets tough. We stomp our feet and smash our fists and say enough's enough. But that's the time to notice. Time to activate and take a stand. That's the time to shine, my friend. Lift your mate up by the hand. Ten seconds of courage is all it takes to help your brother out. (laughs) To say you've noticed changes, mate. What's that all about? And listen with understanding. Ain't no room for judgment here. Next, encourage action. Share that load and show you care. For I know too well that darkness. I've trod that rocky path. I've lost too many mates and kin. I know the aftermath. So that is why I care, my friend. That is why I talk to keep my brothers on the planet. I'll do my best to walk the walk. I don't have a lot to offer, no real smarts to make a mark. But I've got two flame and floppy ears and one large marshmallow heart. To you who've been impacted, to those with tear-filled eyes, a virtual hug I send your way. Please know the sun will rise. So to you, my friend, my mate, my pal, here's a challenge just for you. Do what you can with your two hands. You may just help a few. That's amazing. Mate, it's, it's just whew, mind-blowing. That's it. It's but, but you know what? The best bit about that whole thing is your whole change of demeanor. <laughs> Seriously, you, yeah. we're sitting here just having a yarn, and yeah. it's not you don't go into like, you know, when you sing a song and you go into present, yeah. here you just jump into your heart and just yeah. fucking tell a story. And it was, wow, that's unbelievable. That was the first one you wrote. That was the first one I wrote. Yeah, yeah, 2019. So. How long did that take you? Right. Oh, or you seriously. literally sat down and just went. Yeah, it, it's scarily. Some, some are like that. The, 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 the last one that I'll do is that That just, I woke up at three in the morning and go, boom, um, I need to boom, get this out there. And, and it just, it just, you know, you talk about the flow. Um, there was It was the flow, you know, yeah. right at that particular time. And it still probably is my favourite poem. Um, you know, that one there. But that was 3 a.m. and I'm just sitting there in my study and just going, oh, my goodness. It's all coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From the heart, my friend, from the heart. Okay, some uh, some questions always ask. Greatest achievement in life? Being a husband and a, da- and a dad. Who's the person who has the biggest influence on you 
Free. Ooh. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to say my old um, mate's boss, um, John Brady. Yeah. Biggest influence on your life, personally? Yeah, wife. Favourite food? Jelly beans. Jelly beans? Come on. What colour? Uh, I, I'll take them all, man. I, jelly Belly Plumbing was my business name. I love yeah. jelly beans, mate. Always have all. I love white jelly beans, yep. orange, green, and black. Yep. They're my jelly beans. That's oh, my jam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Favourite song? Um, Mustang Sally. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> yeah, Two Lines it. in the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. Oh, come on. Okay. I <laughs> love that yeah, song. Yeah, love yeah. that song. Favourite place in the world? Um... I loved Italy. I loved Italy. Yeah. Um, but Kira is probably still up there. That's amazing. Isn't it? I just, yeah. man, we've got so much in common. It scares me. What's next? Um, be open. I, I love what you're saying. Um, chase hard after making memories. Mm. So, yeah. For, Mate, for, for build and enjoy every dream you possibly can. Absolutely. That's the way this needs to work. Yeah. Okay. Well, will you do me the privilege of this is the way we're going to finish it? Yeah. I'm going to say another word after this. Yep. What's the poem called? It's called cool, Old Mate. Why'd you write it? To celebrate the, the legends in our industry that turn up for their mates. Floor's yours, my friend. Old Matey was a chippy from the construction industry. <laughs> With tats all down his body and a mullet flowing free. He was a wag who loved to laugh yet worked the timber hard. It smoke go drowning in his sweat. He was always quite the card. Often loud at pre-start with a joke, a quip, or worse, singing mostly out of key or reciting tasteless verse. His swagger was luring, a top bloke to be around. But something changed that Monday morn when he didn't make a sound. He might be off, as whispered his old mate stared at the floor. And with the toolbox over, he was first to make the door. No one had seen old mate that low real close to leaking tears. <laughs> Not even when the Broncos lost and he off those flaming beers. This was a change, there is no doubt. So they said, just give him space. Nobody knew what might be wrong, but there was something out of place. Now it finally took old Bluey to step up to the plate. He was a train connector and he tracked down our old mate. He started off by saying, hey there bloke, you okay? I noticed you were not yourself at the toolbox talk today. Old mate was slow to answer with his eyes glued to the floor, afraid that if he looked, a blue, his face would leak once more. But Blue just sat in silence and he gave old mate a chance to get his thoughts together. And then he gave old Blue a glance. I'm struggling, my brother, from a weekend straight from hell. I lost big time on the Gigi's and me, me missus left as well. To cope, I sought the wrong advice from Johnny, Jack and Jim and then getting done for DUI, I lost my licence on a whim. I don't think I can take no more, he said with dread and fear. I'm broken, broken down, old Blue. I'd be better off not here. And Blue stepped in so genuine and said, oh mate, that's tough. It sounds to me like you may be thinking that you finally had enough. Old mate said, yeah, you got it right. I can't do this anymore. And Blue said, well, I'm listening now. So tell me, what's the score? And just like a busted water pipe, his thoughts began to spew. Oh, Blue just sat and listened. That's the best thing he could do. 
He nodded and affirmed old mate, not trying to fix a thing, and when he stopped for half a breath, no advice did Bluey bring. Except to say that must be tough, and because I play with wood, how about we call someone to help you get to good? With that, old Blue picked up the phone and together they made a call to 1300 MIC where a legend caught the ball. They linked old mate to counselling, then followed up each week and slowly he built wellness up. And again he found his peak. <laughs> Once more, old mate brought energy into every room he'd walk, but louder than his banter now was his need to talk the talk. He'd say that it ain't weak to speak when circumstances bite and with mates around like Bluey, we don't have to lose this fight. And when you really break it down, we do this every day. We turn up for each other and all we do and what we say. Today, old mates are shining light because he gets what it's about. And with the gift of his experience, he now helps other tradies out. So let's celebrate these champions just like Blue, old mate and more who take the time to notice when their mates are feeling poor. They're the legends of an industry, volunteers who break the mould. <laughs> Mostly hivers on the outside, but their hearts, they're made of gold. As I'm concerned, you're an awesome human. Thanks, Justin. Cheers, bro. If anything you heard or anything at all, you need some help, Call Lifeline 131114.